Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Future Tech Podcast. I am your host, Juliet Lamar, and we have with us David Mayo. He's the communications coordinator. We also have Timothy Coe, who's the director of operations, both at the company Hyperbridge.org. Welcome, welcome, gentlemen. Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Juliet, for having us on. All right. So since there's two of you, um, you guys can decide who takes this first question, but Let's enlighten us about what Hyperbridge is and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Hyperbridge was founded, um, it's a very new company, uh, in the kind of late stages of 2017. And the kind of, I guess, like the fundamental inspiration behind Hyperbridge was to kind of simplify, simplify the blockchain and crypto process for people. Um, the founders, which... Uh, Tim is Tim is one of them. Can he can expand upon that? But we wanted to we wanted to um, develop a platform and processes that would you know uh, simplify and provide a, a point of access to users who wanted to explore um, decentralized applications and all that's kind of going on with, within the space. So that was kind of the that was kind of the initial aim. And uh, from there, we've um, you know, gotten into development of some specific products, which we can elaborate on shortly. Yeah. So that was David, um, and this is Timothy, uh, director of operations. Uh, just to provide some context. Yeah. Um, the like like David had mentioned, the idea sort of originally formed. Um, you know, as we all know, uh, late last year there was this sort of uh, large ICO boom. We saw like a lot of projects being proposed, and like that was the buzzword at the time, like decentralization, blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we saw, there was like a huge amount of investment in like a number of really promising avenues, whether it was space sharing, energy arbitrage, uh, storage sharing, the list goes on. Um, yeah, but the condition that we saw sort of like had the investment uh, and belief um, sort of become top heavy in a way that was really hard to deny um, that the idea that it was becoming a bubble. And so, um, you know, we took to the process or the um, we underwent the process of like, you know, based around the intent of like how do we actually get people using blockchain services like um and so we tried to tackle that issue by you know developing a platform where people could start actually discovering uh discovering applications and using the various currencies and tokens um that were being you know sort of popping up at the time very cool so you offer your own tokens as well right and then you also help generate tokens or you have token generation events yeah so yeah, I guess in summation, yeah, we have uh, a token generation event um, upcoming. Um, but Hyperbridge, we are developing a, a digital distribution platform and marketplace that we've called BlockUp. And some of your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the platform Steam. And Steam is uh, kind of a, a legacy model within the gaming industry uh, that services um, uh, gamers by providing access to independent independent games and um, mid-tier and high-level games. So we're developing a, a similar digital distribution platform and marketplace that we've called BlockUp. Where it differentiates from Steam is that it's going to be uh, completely open source and decentralized. So the ultimate aim of this digital environment that we're developing is to empower creators and 
you know, at Hyperbridge, we think of uh, creators, anyone who wants to produce and distribute creative content, whether that be a uh, video game, music, art, or the like. Um, we've, you know, and we started off with this, this, and maybe it's inverse to a lot of startups, but a very kind of like broad vision of, you know, just helping people to access blockchain. And so it took a number of months to kind of hone in our focus. And that focus is to um, empower those in the game development space, especially the independent uh, kind of small tier game developers and studios. And um, so BlockHub will provide creators a toolkit that allows them to convert components of their projects to the blockchain. Um, by the time a developer is done submitting their project to the, uh, to the environment, smart contracts will facilitate the creation of digital assets, tokenized licenses, crowdfunding, payment options, and ways to store and transmit funds. Uh, so it's essentially all of the steps a developer needs to turn their project into an operational business asset. So that's, that's kind of our core aim and um, our, our primary and first use case. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, our own token will be used within the environment. So it is a utility token, not a currency. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had to be pretty clear about that. Um, and also uh, different tokens and uh, uh, crypto modes will be, will be available within the atmosphere. Fantastic. This is, you know, such a creative space with, with it being open source and then dealing with a lot of, you know, game creators. You get to interact with such creative people. Uh, what are some of the, you know, and a lot of times those people don't, you know, they have great creative ideas, but they really do not know how to bring it to fruition or bring it to making a profit. And it's really excellent that you're providing this service so that they have the freedom to continue to create. Absolutely, yeah. The, you know, certainly always um, goes back to this idea that we have that we want to, and innovation is ultimately going to be led by like sort of democratization of access, like for participants yeah. to actually contribute. Um, to the sort of innovative process. And so the current la game landscape as it exists now, it is, of course, there is space for indies, but like um, in general, it's like the competitive landscape is very much skewed in favor of, you know, like we, we all know the names, the large blockbuster companies that produce like these legacy titles that are in their 10th, 12th, 15th iteration. Um, and so, you know, like our belief is that like sometimes, like some of the best ideas may be, this, may be small. They may be not funded by, you know, marketing wizards and huge budgets, but we want to give those people the chance and the opportunity to, you know, be seen, to develop community, to, um, you know, present their good ideas to the world. Absolutely. And without without this kind of service and platform, their really excellent ideas might not make it out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and part of that is like this movement, uh, and we can touch on that a little later, but this movement to uh, towards decentralization is really all about mm -hmm. that. And that's what, you know, our kind of like, belief and I think what led both Tim and myself into the blockchain space is this movement towards decentralization and the capacity for, you know, blockchain technology to empower those who would otherwise be left out. Um, you know, uh, that transition from like centralized authorities to, you know, a decentralized open atmosphere uh, where a wide variety of people, um, regardless of of background or jurisdiction, race, ethnicity, politics, um, has access to the technology that they can, you know, either launch projects or connect into networks um, that are trying to solve certain issues. So, you know, it's a very empowering space, and yeah, we're we're really privileged to be a part of it. Totally, and I think, um, you know, the the concept that is innovation also benefits from it too, right? Like when when innovation is led exclusively by sort of, you know, a very homogenous type group of 
centralized um, people, then it becomes very easy for you know that to dictate the entirety of like whatever specific space exists. And so we believe by sort of democratizing, um, you know, democracy works in a lot of ways. Um, by democratizing how people contribute to innovation, then you get a sort of more rich and sort of like more universally serving uh, type of innovation. I'm I'm right there with you guys. So I yeah, let's go back into that. You know, how how did you really get involved in this space and looking towards the future? You know, how important is this decentralization and really giving the power back to these creators? Right. Um, yeah, well, how I got involved in space, um, initially, actually before the formation of Hyperbridge, I was brought on as a consultant um, to try to develop a, I guess, a blockchain solution. I can't really go into the full details of it, but um, we were contracted by a team of people to develop a blockchain solution for a very antiquated um, legacy system that dealt with, like, um, mining-related stuff, and just in seeing how how viable distributed ledger technology was to the conversion of uh, otherwise high-friction, very slow-paced, and I guess like financially punitive uh, process related to um, some of these land title-related things, um, I saw that the you know the sort of like removal of intermediaries, the removal of friction, was applicable to essentially any space where people are trying to go to market, but we're often prohibited by, you know, the very sort of like sometimes punitive and, you know, frankly, like opportunistic um, fee grabs that uh, are often placed due to, you know, a platform or a just system sort of, you know, monopolistic hold on an industry. And so, yeah, we sort of, yeah, saw the benefit there. And then, you know, the mind began to race about like, okay, like, you know, how can this be applied to like a broader community of people? And so, yeah, we sort of got to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'll just add, you know, I come from a pretty wide-ranging professional background. And towards the end of my uh, college days, Tim and myself actually founded a PR and communications firm specializing in the metals and mining sector. And, you know, it was a startup and it was an exciting kind of endeavor. And, you know, we learned a lot. But I think at the end of the day, we both felt that, you know, we were not contributing in any way to, to the social good of things. Uh, and, you know, further research and like, you know, working with some NGOs and not-for-profits <clears throat> found that, you know, resources and the tech industry alike are, you know, just full of established players and have largely like fundamentally failed at directing technology and innovation towards social good. Blockchain and ICO fundraising and the networks that built, that are built around it all uh, pose a path out of this business as usual, you know, model that has prevailed in finance and innovation. And that's what really drew us, I think, to the crypto and blockchain space, the speed at which projects move and the capacity for authentically beneficial and positive ideas to get off the ground, supported by communities and networks of aligned individuals and not by, you know, shareholders and the typical corridors of power that have prevailed up until this point in time. So, and we're seeing that now. I mean, like the pace at which, at which things move uh, is just like, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. And just the fact, you know, last year alone, ICOs, although being a relatively new concept, um, were, were responsible for more fundraising than conventional uh, VR processes. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a really dynamic space. It's moving quick. Like, there's new projects coming to market, you know, every day. Um, you know, lots of which don't have much validity or, like, future utility, but many of them do. And uh, the space is maturing and um, and kind of defining itself, I think, in a way that is going to be of a you know net net benefit. I love how you mentioned the social good. A lot of the companies that are popping up right now that are utilizing blockchain, all this, they they really are focused on their global impact. 
you know, bringing people together, making sure that there's an underlying current of social good. And I think that that gets overlooked a lot of times when people start thinking about blockchain or they think about, you know, tokens and such. They don't see how empowering this is and how it is good for all different levels of people in, every, in all different kinds of industries. So, and I think that's also just the, the view of the world right now. A lot of people are focused on their global footprint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just a project I'll mention uh, quickly, or um, uh, Sam Rodocio, uh, she, she, she lives in New York and she founded a company named uh, Chronicled. They're called Chronicled. And she's, she's been documenting a lot of these innovations that you're speaking of um, pretty clearly mm-hmm. and uh, blockchain becoming a tool to help solve a lot of the pressing ecological issues of the day, um, using mm-hmm. blockchain to mitigate and eventually eliminate, you know, illicit processes. Uh, one example she she um, she references is within the logging industry, using distributed ledger to form more accurate records, uh, increase transparency within supply chains, improve industry visibility, and in the end, incentivize better behavior from start to finish along these along these supply chains. And that can be applied to, you know, a number of different industries. So. You know, industry-wide, social-wide, uh, governance, you know, uh, in terms of governance, like, yeah, there is a lot of, like, good that is being posed. But, of course, it's, it's threatening <laughs> to, uh, you know, 100 years of established, um, uh, you know, governance and processes. So there is, there is going to be a lot of kickback, and we're witnessing that now. I feel like people don't like to be held accountable. And with blockchain, it's really hard to, uh, to not be held accountable for previous actions. Yeah, agree. And that's the, you know, that the uh, blockchain is a tricky thing because that accountability is uh, somewhat set in stone. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's un- which that, is unfortunate. People do make mistakes. Go ahead. Oh, no, just, you know, but that accountability does all, like, does provide these sort of, or, I guess, the sort of foundational bedrock for, like, yeah, trust or trustless. Those trustless processes, mm-hmm. like, make it enable people to more confidently sort of like, um, even in like whatever, whether it's disaster relief uh, sort of fund distribution or whatever, like that sort of clear, um, you know, uh, trail of accountability makes, gives, does sort of like lend confidence to, um, you know, certain processes, right, that could benefit from like, you know, removing some of the vagaries um, and the sort of like the opaqueness of uh, certain processes, right? Absolutely. So some are, what are some of the unique challenges to Hyperbridge that, you're, that you found through your your journey so far, and how are you kind of combating those challenges? Um, I think one of the principal challenges is, um, I guess, just due to the relative newness of the industry, um, some of the regulatory um, concerns. And I totally understand the position that uh, the regulators take. It is a brand new industry. There's like a lot of money coming into it. The actual viability of some of these companies is like you know questionable to say the least. Um, and the concern of the regulators is always for consumer investor protection, of course. Um, but some of the, I guess, um, regulatory mandates or just the absence of uh, commentary has resulted in sort of a very uncertain landscape for a lot of companies, um, and which is like, you know, ultimately good. Um, but like, you know, there has to be the fine balance struck between, I guess, like, you know, protection and like, you know, stepping too far in the other direction to the point that it inhibits or stops innovation. Um, yeah, and so that has been one of our, you know, principal sort of difficulties. But, you know, it, if we're being honest, it has, like, forced us to be um, more tight and sort of, like, yeah, more sort of, like, um, yeah, sort of make sure that we're in uh, alignment with those sort of laws. Yeah, and there's a lot of call space, you know, for, for companies to 
you know, be upright and kind of like self-govern and like put processes in place that are, you know, going to help safeguard this technology. And so that is kind of like, it's a departure from a lot of what's come in the past in the sense of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who fled to this space or who initially founded it or very, you know, they're technologically oriented and, you know, they're technologists, programmers, developers, and they have this very sacred view of, you know, blockchain and the capacity of, you know, decentralization and all that's coming to market right now. So it's like there is this kind of like this core group of leadership and you're seeing it all over the place that's, that, that really want to, you know, protect, protect this space. And so they, there is kind of, a, I'd say like a level almost of like self-policing that's occurring within the environment, mm-hmm. which, which I, you know, which I believe is, you know, a positive and it's something that definitely we lost in conventional finance and things like that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the, you know, government, the government regulators and the kind of stewards of the space can in time work together towards a kind of a fruitful future. I mean, it's the old idea of, you know, how do people act when someone's watching versus if they're not watching and with blockchain, everything, you know, if, if they allow it, everything is, is, is permanent and out in the open and transparent. So it's, you're really going to conduct yourself differently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, and then that bleeds down into, you know, just the way people are choosing to fundraise and, and market their companies and market themselves. And, you know, because like, you know, in 2017, there was like a lot of projects were going to market and asking for fundraising without like really, you know, any sort of like, yeah, without anything. Yeah. And, or any sort of like, yeah. you know, valid or tangible proof. Right. And that's, that's the fault of both, you know, the the companies and investors, right? But things are starting to uh, tighten up, and uh, I think the space is is going to grow healthier with time, as long as uh, that leadership continues to um, to kind of move things forward. I mean, several times I would meet people in a coffee shop or on the street, and they would start pitching me their idea and ask me if I wanted to buy tokens for their idea. And I was like, what? I was like, what? What, what do you have besides just like what you're telling me? They show me like a PowerPoint. I'm like, this is great. Please continue to work on it and <laughs> come back later. Um, yeah, don't, don't but I love, I, I love the innovation, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love the yeah. innovation, though. I'm like, you know, I see the positivity and the excitement, and I'm like, wow, this is really going to open up a lot of doors. But at the same time, I'm like, people might get a little overconfident that people are just going to invest in something that has absolutely no ground floor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then, you know, that being said, too, I think, and I'd like to read a report or a study on this, um, like just the the speed and like the veracity at which a project can go to market now relative to kind of uh, conventional like venture fundraising or like the processes of the past versus an ICO. Like what a company with a good product and a good team and a, a solid flushed out idea can, you know, the speed at which they can raise and then bring things to market, like versus, you know, three, five years ago is like, it's, it's pretty impressive. So it just shows like how networks of uh, inspired people who have a common goal and idea, how, how fast they can work, you know, and I think that's the, mm-hmm. that's the thing that excites me most about the space. Absolutely. So coming back to Hyperbridge, um, give us a little overview of how your platform works for creators and then for uh, consumers. Yeah. So for creators, it's a, it's a, I guess the whole intent of what we're doing is trying to make the uh, the very complex, specific actions of producing a blockchain-enabled application simple and, yeah, like with a lot of complexity hidden. So um, we're trying to make it as painless as possible. Some of the, you know, complex smart contract creation stuff, solidity developing, requiring um, actions that we're doing, we're trying to package into uh, toolkits that make it 
as simple as um, having a developer essentially, you know, download the application, establish their um, their user identity or their developer identity, uh, submit a project, and then yeah, you sort of go from um, from that through a process that by filling fields, um, uploading files, and pressing buttons, um, those um, you know specific specific digital assets are converted to um, you know tokens uh, you can put in for or you can submit for crowdfunding um, that is you know facilitated by smart contracts. Um, you can incentivize community members to take actions on your part. Um, and yeah, like you know from start to finish, we like to think that we give developers um, you know basically a way to manage their entire product lifespan from uh, conceptualization to actual to realization and then beyond is the actual uh, you know post uh, post publishing business actions, right? Like so there are a lot of things that go into that. It's like you know secure wallets, uh, a lot of like you know, hidden smart contract features, um, but ultimately it is um, a platform where a developer with an idea, present that idea to the world, get funding, get published, tokenize assets, tokenize licenses, uh, start selling their, their product, uh, receive crypto payment, and securely manage their entire life cycle. All in one spot. All in one spot, yeah. And I think that is one of the inherent benefits of this. Like, of course, those, um, you know, these like uh, various tasks and actions um, are available uh, to sort of do um, ad hoc or elsewhere. But um, there's an added element of complexity about like say if you did want to code your own Solidity um, application, like you would have to hire your own developer to do that. Um, you know, your crowdfunding may take place on a different platform. These things might not be integrated. Um, how you incentivize community members or how you manage payments. Like um, payment is another thing too that like. Um, you know, sort of in traditional app stores, because there's a lot of friction um, sort of done by the intermediary, there's um, a, a lot of lost profit for the developer in getting the product to a user. Um, because we're relying on smart contracts for this, a lot of the friction is removed. And then, you know, the benefits, like the benefits of aggregation of service and sort of, of disintermediation are like, you know, they're significant. Mm. So where's the best place for, for people to connect? with Hyperbridge and get to know you guys more, really read, read about what you're doing, et cetera. Yeah, so we're pretty active on all of the, uh, you know, necessary social media channels. Uh, <laughs> our website is uh, hyperbridge.org. Uh, so more information about Block Hub and our vision can be found there. Uh, we have an active Medium blog, and I mean, like, we, we like to stay as involved in the space as we can and kind of, like, document what's going on. And... Uh, yeah, a major part of the Hyperbridge <clears throat> creed is to develop uh, community. Uh, community is what's going to drive the platform. It's what drives us as a company, and and it's what we want to develop moving forward. So, yeah, people can find us on, on Telegram, uh, come chat with us, um, email us, communicate with us if you have ideas, uh, you know, if you want to want to work together or join forces, whatever it may be, so we can, we can be found there. Um, and yeah, that's uh, the development of, of community is what's going to spur on, you know, all of our future future initiatives. I mean, at the end of the day, Block Hub is a community-driven platform. It's about, you know, bringing users and developers and creators together in a way that hasn't, hasn't been done, you know, and allowing them to contribute to each other's processes, you know. Um, so, yeah, we look forward to meeting all sorts of different people on the road. Uh, we will, next week, we're going to be at Blockchain Northwest in Seattle. 
which is a pretty, uh, yeah, looks like a pretty dynamic event that's being put on there, um, really focused on some of the emerging technology. Uh, we do quite a bit of local stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we look forward to hopefully meeting members of your audience. Oh, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Well, David and Timothy, thank you so much for joining me today and for really talking about a broad range of subjects that I think are super important and are really making a splash right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah it was a pleasure being with you. Thank you very much. That was David Mayo and Timothy Coe. They are the part of the team that runs hyperbridge.org. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.